tin tin foil hat. <laughs> If you want to check us out on all of our social media platforms, on Twitter at TinfoilHatCast, Reddit.com backslash R backslash TinfoilHatShow, on Instagram at TinfoilHatPod, or AllComedyTShirts.com, email us at TinfoilHatPod at gmail.com. Welcome back to another episode of Tinfoil Hat. Tinfoil Hat. Tinfoil Hat. Come with me into the waters of conspiracy. With Sam Tripoli. Sam Tripoli. Sam Tripoli. Sam Tripoli. Mr. Sam Tripoli. Sam Tripoli. With my friend Ryan Davis. Uh, hi, Ryan. We're like the first gay couple of conspiracy theories. I think it's beautiful, man. Oh, about their partner. Say that again. It's some mystical, deep, dark realm crazy shit. Wake up, Aaron. There's reptile people everywhere. Hey, man, where's hey, the man. truth there, dog? Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Are you ready to get your mind blown? Revolution will be podcasted. Yes. Yes. Well, welcome to Punch Drunk. Oh, I'm sorry. Tim Foil Hat. Welcome to Tim Foil Hat. You know who we are. You know what we're here to do. Uh... Guys, real quick before we bring in our guest, guys, this weekend I am at the La Jolla Comedy Store. I am uh, doing Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's a great lineup. I got Brenton Bilcombe, David Deary. I think Vanessa Johnson's going to stop by, drop a little comedy hammer. So that's uh, just go to comedystore.com. And then the big shows, June 1st, Cobbs. In San Francisco, the Tim Foy Hat Comedy Night, brought to you by Live Nation. That will be June 1st at Cobbs, and then June 2nd at the Sacramento Punchline. <clears throat> Please, guys, come out, support, Let's n- show some love. We have, to, we have 200 people, have to bring one friend, and we pack the place. We've already told you what we're going to do. We're going to do stand-up. Uh, Ryan will be there. Trez Mala will be there out Vegas. Mm-hmm. He'll be uh, the MC. Yep. Eddie Bravo, myself. And then we're going to do an hour of stand-up comedy about life and conspiracies and all that stuff, followed by a 30-minute Q&A with the crowd. And then whoever brings the most people, That's right. whoever brings the most people gets to come backstage and do a special podcast and smoke weed with Eddie and a, and a podcast in the back. So that's what we're doing. We could use your support. Uh, go to uh, iTunes. We're almost at 1,000. Yeah. We're almost at 1,000 five-star reviews. Go to, five, go to iTunes. Put the reviews in. Give us five stars, and we'll start reading those on the show again. Ryan, how are you? Man, this is great. We got a, we got this this show. The next two are going to be murderers, and we're very excited. We got our good friend here. We'll bring him in real quick. Uh, my good friend, I've known him for almost twenty years. Yes, isn't that crazy? That's nuts. Please welcome everybody's favorite. Wit. Are you are you a sorcerer? Are you are you a, what are what are you? Cult leader, a, guru. cult leader, Duncan Trussell. <laughs> Thank you. Now, Duncan, I, people always ask me about the comedy store, and they're always like, oh, this, this, and this. I always tell them the people who I got in, but I really want to say that if it wasn't for you, I would never have gotten into the comedy store. That's a great start for this podcast <laughs> because it's such a funny thing people do, which is like you want to identify a reason that some great thing happened to you or a reason that some terrible thing happened to you. So well, comics will come up and tell me that. Yeah. And I always think, oh, yeah. It was me. Nothing to do with the hard work, the rejection, 
the you know the years the years of suffering nothing to do with the chutzpah to come to the comedy store and even try to get in there nothing to do with you no it was me it was like i all i was dude i was mitzi's secretary yeah. so i hate to like i i, I would love but can i tell you to, why i say it was yeah, you why? well because the, i don't know if you remember the story of maz and how all of us got in but basically mitzi a year before 9-11 was like she, she said hey man the the middle eastern community is gonna need a, a voice right so she's like, let's put together a Middle Eastern show. That's right. <clears throat> so Maz had already gotten in. So Maz called me up. He's like, hey, man, Duncan and I think we can get you in. And yeah. I'm like, oh, really? She, they go, are you Middle Eastern? And I go, well, I'm Armenian. <laughs> and they're like, close enough. Right. So you called me up. He's like, hey, I could get you in. He goes, listen, here's the formula for Mitzi. Okay. You do uh, one joke about your ethnic group. One joke about either one of your parents, and then your favorite joke. So I did a joke about uh, being Armenian, going to the po- going to the the, the yeah. ocean. Then I did a bit about my mom power walking. Yeah, and then because because uh, Joey Diaz told me love my bit on Asians on ecstasy, <laughs> I did my Asians on ecstasy bit. Yeah. And I remember getting done. I got off stage. I walked up to her and she's like, are you Syrian? I'm like, and I didn't know what Syrian was at that time. So I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm Syrian, dude. I'm Syrian. So she got, so you did get me in. And then after that, I got a bunch of people in, but you did get you me got in. Your, listen, you got yourself in. I may have given you some suggestions, but you already had those jokes. Like I take no, no credit. I'm, and I love, but this is what we do as humans. We want to attribute something to some person or this to that i think there's greater forces at work than than me or anybody else and i like and also you know when anytime anybody especially gatekeepers what's worse than when a gatekeeper gets all puffed up oh you know what i mean like a puffed up gatekeeper the guy who's like working the fucking gate the guy whose job it is to press a button the gate opens up but they like come out and they like look at your fucking id and shit they act like they're the God, they act like Putin. Yeah. They act like they've been trained in the KGB yeah. for 20 years. Fuck that. A puffed up gatekeeper is a bad gatekeeper. All I was at the comedy store was barely a gatekeeper. I was. It was all Mitzi. It was all you. But thank you for mentioning that. I'm so glad that it worked. I'm glad that that little bit of chaos happened because you're brilliantly funny. Thank and you. you. And, you've, and you've, you, you resonate with that place. So can you? I can't imagine a comedy store minus Sam Tripoli. Oh, thank you, dude. Thank you. Uh, one of the original things I did with uh, where I met you and then our good friend Jason Tebow mm-hmm. and then Brian Jarvis. Like, what a crew of crazy people. Yeah. With Listen to this, Aaron. You'll love this. With our, our um, warm-up comedian being El Magical. Shit. I don't know if you remember the stupid dummies yes. when we did that and how far ahead of everything we were. We we did the famous bit Duncan's got cancer, yes. which was uh, you got you actually the whole bit was Duncan came out bald, yeah, and we're like, oh man, Duncan's like, I gotta go, I gotta go, and he walks off. We're like, dude, guys, don't you get it? Duncan's got cancer, yes, and he's like, so we all decide to shave our heads. We shave our heads on stage, yes. and we're all bald. And you come back, you talk about how you just booked the new Kojak movie. <laughs> <laughs> That was great. What a great joke. I mean, in retrospect, I guess there's a little bitterness attached to that joke based on my history, but what a great gag originally. It was, that was. so good, dude. It was <clears throat> so good, man. And then, you know, you, you're, you're really doing well. I, you know what I love about you? 
is you're not afraid to just walk away. You are you are the movie Heat. Mm. You're just not afraid to walk away at any moment. And you, you're just like, if it's there, it's there when I come back. And I think a lot of people are afraid to do that. I know in particular I am. I've taken two weeks off from comedy, and mm. I'm just so convinced it will never come back. Right. So I run back to do do it again. Yeah. I mean, I love it so much, but I mean, I, like, too. I love how you just, you, you take, t- I mean, sometimes you ghost and we don't see you forever. Yeah. And then you come back and you're just back into it and it just. Well, yeah. Well, I, I think with that kind of thing, it's definitely good to listen to your heart and not, you know, there's so many different schools of how to do comedy and, and, and the ethic behind it, you know, and one school of, of, and there, I don't think any of them are right or wrong. It's just different ways to approach it. One school of thought is go up as much as you can all the time, whether you feel like it or not. And and that's, that is true. I think that's like actually the, probably if you want a recipe for success as a comedian, that how could you argue with that? Hard work. You can't argue with hard work. But my thinking and the reason I stopped doing it for a bit and the reason I'm doing it again now is it's the same reason, which is it, it I was just listening to myself and I wasn't feeling inspired. I was in New York. I wasn't feeling very inspired. I was like, <clears throat> just realized that I was sort of leeching stage time. Like, cause I wasn't scared when I was going on stage. I was coming on stage unscared. I had some jokes. I knew they'd work. I was coming on stage unscared. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you're not feeling when you got a thing you want to say on stage and you're scared. You're like, I don't, this, there's no way this is going to work. Yeah. Like, this is horrible. That I, I can't believe I'm going to let these words come out of my mouth. And I don't mean in the sense of, like, blasphemy or edginess or anything. I mean, like, it's just scary. Right. Those are the jokes you should be doing. And if your mind isn't producing those, usually it means that there's other shit you need to deal with. There's, like, some kind of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I think. Yes. When it comes to stand up. And if you're if, if like some parts of your life need to be dealt with or scrambled up a little bit or you're tricking yourself in some parts of your life. You know, actually um um <clears throat> Jay London, the great shaman of comedy. Yes. I ran into him at the improv and he's like a shaman. He wears feathers and he's like he's he emanates some kind of He's a very much a minimalist. A minimalist and he's like an oracle. And I remember just talking to him. He's like, you know, if you're not if you're not being honest to yourself in real life, it bleeds out on stage. It, and he goes, it bleeds, it bleeds. And you know, <laughs> and my my mind took a snapshot of that. You know how your mind takes snapshots yes. of things you need to remember. And at that moment, my mind went, okay, let's think about that one. Let's think about that one. So for me, it was three years ago on the Comedy Store patio. I was sitting by the window and I saw you out there and I was like super drunk, fucked up. I was yeah. like, I'm going to go talk to Duncan. Went over. I was like, man, I love the podcast. It's fucking got all lovey-dovey. And I was like, I don't want to take up your time. You're like, no, this is what it's all about. You talked to me for like 45 minutes on the patio. Boone was right behind me. And right at the end, we were like getting some deep shit. I was about to tear up. We hug. And right then Ari comes over and is like, uh, faggots. And like, walk. <laughs> and so faggots, faggots. And like, there's this beautiful moment in time that's like, yeah, man, this is what it's all about. And yeah. then Ari just, uh. So yeah, added added to the symphony of the comedy store, you know, which is 
such a mix of light and dark and such a beautiful place because all is embraced there, you know, in, in, in at least when the intentions are right. No, for sure. Dude, you've always been this kind of, uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, I guess a shaman's a good word for it. I've always enjoyed the way you operated. You never chased anything. I find that a big part of what I love about you is you don't chase anything. I feel a lot of people chase I tried chasing. That's not true. I tried chasing. It just doesn't work. It's like it's that that's called or the some of my teachers call that bean counting. And it's like where you start thinking about the result and then and then you start running after some result that you want. And and so your mind starts, you know, coming up with like crazy shit and you start you basically crucify. So like what can happen is there's the you that you are. Yeah. And then there's the you that your ego thinks you should be. And it, and whatever that and and that and that kind of produces a torture device. It's like a rack because there's the you that you are, and then you tie that you tie that you that you are to this you that you aren't. And depending on how far away those two things are, is the amount of suffering you're going to be experiencing per moment in your life, and how much self hate you're going to be feeling because you're not that you that you think you should be. Right. And it's like how the the only way you're going to it's such a weird paradox because I think the only way you can get to a, the actual to a, a you that you know is that is possible is by loving the you that you are right now. And if you don't do that, then you're just hurting all the time. And if you're hurting all the time, then you're probably scared. And if you're scared, you're probably angry. And if you're angry, you're probably turning people off. And if you're turning people off, how the fuck are you going to get do any kind of business you know oh yeah if you're, if you're walking on stage with hate the, the crowd can see that and just in life you can see that and you yeah. know i uh you know i'm sober but occasionally i'll do shrooms yes and because i think that's the talk to god stuff and you know what you're talking about right there is like being very happy about where you are in your life yeah you are exa- you know it's like i can't shrooms really help me get to that point where it's like I realize I'm exactly where I need to be. Yeah, and and, and the word I think the the word happy is confusing because hmm. people think, oh, that means I should be happy. If I'm not happy, then I'm not where I need to be. I, there's this thing Terrence McKenna said that I like a lot and uh, about um, <laughs> ecstasy and and shamanism, ecstasy and shamanism, not MDMA, but the concept of ecstasy, the feeling, shamanic, yeah. And so people think ecstasy means like only good feelings but mckenna says no ecstasy applies to everything there's ecstatic fear there's ecstatic hate there's ecstatic anger there's ecstatic loneliness and and so in the moment you're gonna feel all kinds of shit and sometimes you're gonna feel confused and sometimes you're gonna feel like a hypocrite and sometimes you're gonna feel mediocre and sometimes you're gonna feel sad and terrified and on and on. But the more you allow yourself to be that instead of fighting against it as though it indicates something's wrong and just trusting like, oh no, this my, this is a mind moment. This is just what's happening in the universe and the universe is perfect. Then suddenly those things become less likely to make you react to them in a way that could cause negative karma and create bad patterns in your life. It sounds like meditation 
Like when you're sitting there and meditating and you're having those thoughts of like, you really think you can meditate? Look at you. Yes. You, what, come on, man. And then it's the whole metaphorical of those demons that are chasing you, that are telling you you're not good enough when really it's the reset. Just always go back to taking a yeah. deep breath. It's watching the waves come in from the ocean. Those, yeah. those waves you see are your thoughts. Some of them are big and bad. Some of them are fucking little ones, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. And, and that's the practice. It's called mindfulness. So you just sort of start training yourself to get right back into where you're at in the moment. And, and, it, and that's it. And even if that place sucks, you sit in it. Yeah, is there this kind of notion in this society we live in, and then we'll get into our show, is that you have to be ha- happy yeah. all the time. And yeah. if you're not happy, there's something wrong with your life, yeah. that you have to right this wrong. Yeah. And that maybe, like, life, you know, in sobriety, you learn a lot that, like, being a good life isn't happiness all the time. Right. Living life is dealing with bullshit that comes at you, yes. but dealing with it and going through it and knowing that's a part of life, that there are a lot of highs and there's a lot of lows. And I don't care who you talk to, that people have like moments are like, what am I doing with my life? I don't care who the most successful person is in the world. You know, and it's the whole thing about, you know, don't judge your insides by somebody's outsides. And that's mm. a big part. Yeah, man, AA, there, I was just talking to this guy from AA, and he was telling me this thing. You guys are so smart. It's such a great path. He was talking, telling me this thing about like something, the concept of the director's chair, when you find yourself sitting in the director's chair trying to control everything. Yeah. I love that. That's very beautiful. And also, the, another, what you were talking about reminds me of this saying that my teachers have taught me, which is no mud, no lotus. The lotus grows from the mud. Yes. And then another interesting angle is, um, so in Hinduism, we have Ganesh. You know Ganesh? You know. What okay. is that? So Ganesh is the remo- remover of obstacles, the elephant-headed, anthropomorphic son of Shiva. And so Ganesh is an obstacle remover. So all, you could also say maybe the bringer of good fortune. You because could say. Ganesh can shrink down to the size and ride on a mouse to go through keyholes. Yes! So. And the mouse, that's the, Ganesh's mouse. The mouse's name is Crouncha. Crouncha is the mouse's name. Mm-hmm. And the mouse used to be a demon. And now <clears throat> the, 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 um, that demon was an, or an asura, as it's called. And so that demon was like a musician in the royal court of a of I think Indra, and and if I'm getting any of this wrong for the Hindus out there, please forgive me because I'm a little foggy on the mythology. But anyway, we'll the, let it go. The point is, this this what one of the cool things in um, Hinduism is everybody like this, and actually in Christianity it talks about this too. The sun shines on everyone, good and evil. So even demonic forces can get blessings of the gods by doing like. Med- meditation and self-discipline and so anyway Crouncher was a demon and um who shiva sent ganesh to deal with the, this demon had been causing all kinds of problems and so i think the logic was that there's this i think an urban myth it's older than urban myth but yeah. that elephants yeah. are afraid of mice so this demon turns himself into a mouse and goes running at Ganesh, who sits on him. <laughs> and the weight of Ganesh was so so intense that it just shattered the demon's ego. It crushed the demon's uh-uh. ego. And upon the obliteration of this demon's ego, it 
wanted to serve Ganesh. And so the, the mouse became Ganesh's vehicle. And so the vehicle that the remover of obstacle rides on is a symbol which in those days was synonymous with disaster because the mouse yeah. would eat your grain. And plague. And plague. And so that's a long way of saying when you're having bad things happen to you, one way to look at it is like, oh, no, these are the whiskers of the mouse that is carrying upon it the remover of obstacles. And this darkness is about to be taken away from my life. It's the thing that I'm experiencing is just the nose of the mount that Ganesh rides upon. So that's one way you can look at really rotten phases in your life. Right. When you look back, for example, when I look back to when I had cancer, or when I look back to my mom's cancer, my mom passing away, those I'm two sorry. things turned me into a human. That made Feelings. me a human being, you know, by teaching me what reality really is and what truth really is. And never when I was in the midst of that would I have thought, oh, this is like the best, this is, I wouldn't, and let me just say this, I would not wish that upon anyone. And I'm not saying that's the path to joy is through disease. Okay. I don't want to plant that in anyone's head at all. I'm just saying, these these um, moments that happen to every single human life, quite often they're bridges. And at the other side of that bridge is a much happier, much more connected, much more truthful version of yourself. Without getting too deep into it, I remember one time hearing you talk about um, one of the last things your mom told you, and I thought it was such great uh, advice for people in general, and that was to expand. Yes, expand. Yeah. Your consciousness, your reach, your, I mean, when you work out, when you're filling your muscles, just about to give out, that's when you're building muscles. Not, you know, it's the ninth one, not the eighth rep. Yeah. And it's, and, 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 and they're, they're in the micro, it's like those things, but then in the macro, it's like, what are you? Yeah. What do you think you are? How big are you? What are you really? Are you your body? You know? And that, I think that we were going to talk about the Hare Krishnas. Yes. And so that brings... Uh, us perfectly into the conversation about bhakti yoga because one of the one of the teachings in that pathway is you are not your body you are not your body and a lot of people think that they're their body so that's a great place to start off is is do you think you're your body do you think you're just your body is that true and so that's a wonderful question to ask yourself is what am i right what am i what am i it's the Teilhard, right? Um, the philosopher. We are spiritual beings having a human experience, yeah, as opposed to the other way around. Yeah, that's that, that's a, yes, that's one version of it for sure. Yeah, that's it. So, but what's happened is our identity. We've become identified with the body because the body is the first thing we contact when we come into the universe, and so we think that we are our bodies. We identify with the body. So, I have a guru, Neem Karoli Baba, who died, and when he died, and they. I guess they sent a telegram to Ramdas, who's one of my teachers, and they said to him, uh, Maharaji has dropped his body. I mean, they called him. They called. He's dropped his body. That's how they say death there. They, he, dro he dropped his body like a doll. Like, oh, I'm done. I'm done playing with this toy. I'm done controlling this puppet. I've dropped it now. That's what death is there. So that that's a different concept than what in the West some people are. Well, I think the West is very afraid of death. I yeah. think they do everything they can to to escape death. I mean, it's like these very rich people trying to find whatever they can to extend life. 
yeah. and just like you know jump into this and i'm like i don't know if that's like a good idea yeah i, mean, I, I don't think you're meant to stay here forever i think you're meant to learn as much as you can and then travel to the next level yes. or or you get sucked into that whole life cycle where boom you're born again and then you do it again until you learn the right lessons yeah I mean, yeah. It's very much a Western culture thing. Yeah, and the life extension, I love it because I think it, it reminds me of um, – and it's funny because you when you're – to get back to Syria, that there's a <clears throat> some kind of psychic – it's a, actually an MAO inhibitor called Syrian root. Yes. And, you used to be able to get off the internet. Yeah, you used to be able to get off the internet. And, and, and so ayahuasca is a combination of uh, a bark and a root. And I always get mixed up – or a, a bark and a vine. I think mm-hmm. the vine has the DMT in it, right? And the bark has the MAO inhibitor. But So when you smoke DMT, your body processes it really fast. So it lasts like 12 minutes and then you sober up. Ayahuasca's got an MAO inhibitor in it, which keeps the DMT from leaving your body. Wow. And that's what extends it, the experience to like four to six hours. I haven't yet to do ayahuasca. I'm terrified of it. but I want to. I think life extension, the quest for life extension is, a, is very similar. It's that we are right now, God, having a psychedelic experience. And that psychedelic experience is to identify with a human body, a human identity, and a human past. And life extension would be the like an MAO inhibitor for God to try to extend the psychedelic experience of whatever right. personality God was inhabiting at that time. So it's like, let me extend this high longer and longer and longer if I can. And perhaps that is going to happen and it's going to be the way that, that we, you know, God returns to God's self, you know, is through life extension technology. And then we all become immortal or we upload our consciousness. And through that process of um, extending our lifespan and amplifying the way we can process information we will gradually come out of the amnesic state of human existence and come back to the awareness of our original identity as some cre- creative force. And, we but, live in interesting times. We do. Man, I just like a lot of pain and suffering out there. You know, I talked, you know, I talked, we had Jason on recently. This conversation I'm having with you, it's very, very um, spiritual and it's very deep. And it's just like, where does this apply in today's world where. I don't know necessarily if it's that it just seems like all they're trying to push on us is war. Mm. Uh, we have no real say in where this all goes. We're just kind of throwing our tax dollars into this thing. Yeah. that just seems to be like just running crazy. And even if you look at places like India, we're not necessarily we're in a war with them, but you know, they have problems with Pakistan and then you go into, they have these yeah. fucking you know, border, uh, um, uh, they, they, they are sending troops to the border with China and stuff, all that. Is it hard to be in this world that you are in when you see all this around you? Do you want to like go around and try to get everybody to, to hear what you found? No way. Or? No way. The, 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 so the concept is we, we work on ourselves so that we can help the people closest to us. Right. It is not a missionary. My, the lineage I'm in is not, it's not missionary. What is the lineage? Well, my lineage is, it's, it's, um, it, it, I have a guru, Neem Karoli Baba, who was uh, Richard Alpert's guru, who became Ram Das. And that lineage, there's different ways you could, it's a form of bhakti yoga, really. But so essentially, the, you connect with an, uh, an, 
an a very that's very difficult to explain a very advanced being that has transcended its body and that consciousness is all pervasive and then is this being within somebody that you communicate with or is no. this being all over the place or i think to understand it maybe to explain the net of endra to him because oh yeah that's great a, you explain essence. the net of endra all right so <laughs> well it sounds so much cooler the jeweled donkey. net of endra yeah so the idea is that there is it's the jeweled net of indra this it's like a web and at the center is a jewel that shows all the other so it's like we're reflections of one another so the idea is that like in a weird way god is a schizophrenic and that we have a piece of him in all of us and that's why when we come together we feel the 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 presence of coming together that's why mm. I've heard you talk about Neem Crowley Baba. You could feel him and other people that have known him. That's right. Well, I mean, you could feel like, you know, like you. So, for example, I don't know, like, if you've ever hung out with an asshole before. Uh, I've seen a couple. It's happened mirror. sometimes. So, some, so let's say you've been in the presence of a, of a real raging asshole, right? And you walk away from that person finally. And, and you run into someone. And you don't even have to talk to that person, but they might look at you and go, are you all right? Right. And what they're seeing is the um, reflection of the energy that was coming from the asshole that you had just encountered bouncing off of you and, and, and bouncing into them, right? And this is where we find compassion for the whatever cunt was haranguing you earlier because that guy accidentally or gal had just become like a solar panel for negativity and it's become and it's like started absorbing I get that and so what's bouncing off of them they got that from someone else and they got that from someone else so for example to get back to the idea of the problem of the war or the problem of conflict in the world or the Darth Vader people who come out during the protests with yes. the mace and you look at them and they're, yeah. they're so angry and you see them and you think who are these people well these are people who have parents who've had PTSD they're people who might have PTSD themselves. And really what you're looking at is a kind of echo that's been echoing forever into time. And it's an echo of suffering. It's an echo of sadness. It's an echo of pain. And you're just seeing it sort of manifesting in the form of the military, in the form of war, right? You're seeing that. And it's a kind of a thing that, that keeps reproducing itself. It's almost like an entity, isn't it? Right. It keeps... By making more trauma, it produces more trauma because traumatize people to traumatize other people. And it's, a, it's not like a contagion, right? So the reason I really love Neem Kroli Baba's teachings is because instead of saying, let me change you, I'm going to go to you and change you, it's, it's more like I'm going to work on myself right Right, now. right, and, right. And by that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try to like get real... I'm going to try to get real, <laughs> you know, I'm going to try to get real and be in the moment and know who I am and, 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 and look into myself and see that pain and see it for real and not ignore it and not pretend it's not there. But then because it's there, not think that something's wrong with me. Instead, I'm going to start practicing love to that. I'm going to start loving it. And that's the that's that so much from like, that's all you learn in recovery. It's well, like you work on yourself and pray for somebody that drives you crazy. Yeah. You know, pray for them and see what happens. And usually everything just starts to level off. That's it. You That's know? it. That's it. It's very interesting, dude. So it's what can we do? And the answer is, well, well, first what you want to do before we start dealing with the problems of the borders of Pakistan and India is we need to look at the borders of our heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And find the conflicted parts of ourselves. I get that. 
and find out our nuclear weapon stash and find out who we've been shooting nuclear missiles at in our own lives in micro ways. And then let's start dealing with those tiny little nuclear wars that are happening in our own lives between our brothers and sisters, you know, and the first thing to do is to probably deescalate and begin to reduce our own subjective nuclear missile stockpile through some form of practice. Do you do any daily reflections? Do you sit down and go through what you've done during the day and what you like, oh, I got a little heated there, I got a little there. Do you do that daily or do you do that through a meditation? Or what's your process of kind of doing a self-inventory? And then I yeah. I want to get in this wild, wild country with you because I think it's so interesting, okay. this whole thing. Well, I so I, I chant. Um, a mon- two, right now I chant two different mantras What are they? Ram, 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 Ram That's one The other one is Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Hare Ram, Hare Ram, 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 Hare Hare, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna So I chant The Hare Krishna mantra So, so what I'll do When do you do these? Well, sporadic Lately More than I ever have Because what's really cool about a mantra Is you can start doing it um, Anytime you want you know, you could do it when you're in a conversation with somebody. You could be in, in the background, in, in your mind, chanting rom, 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 rom. I usually have mala beads that I chant on, but I left them at the airport. So I got to get some new beads. But usually beads are associated because it creates a tactile reminder of this practice. So rom, 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 Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. So I'll be walking and I'll be chanting. Hare Krishna, 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 Sloppy chanter. No, I mean, my mind will think that. Right. And then I'll chant to that part of my mind. I'll sing to that part of my mind. I'll be walking and my mind will think like, man, I can't believe you fucking said that or did that. I can't believe that person did that to you. Or, oh, dude, you fucking ate shit on stage last night. Do you, you're not fucking fuck. What the fuck's wrong with you? All that mind shit, I'll chant to it. You know, I'll that that I'll watch that part of my mind come up, and then I'll sing to it the mantra. And that's my practice. So these mind moments that emerge that are negative or positive, ego. You know, my ego might get inflated or whatever. I'll chant to that too, and then that's the the practice of uh, of um, mantra meditation. Wow, and japa. And- it's called japa. Now, do you do this like at the end of the day while you're walking, you're working out? Is this something when your mind just when goes it, on the little crooked? It's you're pathetic like to, to say. I'm sorry to cut you off. Continue no, it's fine. Question. It's, it's fine. pathetic to say because it means I've become identified with matter. Like I have to have a thing. <laughs> right. But when I had my mala beads, because it reminds me, I w- I'll be chanting all day long in my mind. Rom, 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 oh, really? Rom, rom, rom. But now that I've left them at the airport... <laughs> I had to like wake up this morning. I have more. I have bigger, obnoxious beads that are obnoxious, and they're. It's like a big bag that says Hari Krishna, Hari Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hari Ram. It's from the Hari Krishna Temple on the front. On the front, it's beautiful, but to carry that around, it's a little like, hey, look at me, I chant. Right, right. And I like the mala beads because they're, they're small. You, they, no one can, can no see one them. Knows. No one even knows. You I could do it, that. you know, privately, which I think is for me preferable. So. This morning I got up and like, you know, went up on my roof because the dogs can't get up there. And I like chanted up there. So now until I get new beads, I guess I'm going to be chanting in the morning and at night maybe. But 
you know, the way I've been taught, the way the practice works is like it comes and goes. We come in and to it and we go out of it. It's, if you're, it's the grace. It's grace. I love find, it, dude. Yeah. I, I really enjoy that, man. I think it's amazing. So you've been, how long have you been studying this? I've been chanting Hare Krishna since my early 20s. Really? Yeah. Now, did you start that out in Los Angeles? Yeah. See, my brother got into the Hare Krishnas and he invited me. And, you know, my family was a little worried. And so, but I thought it was cool because I'd already been reading the Bhagavad Gita and I knew that they had something to do with the Bhagavad Gita. And so, but, you know, it's every, what everyone thinks about it is the same thing everyone thinks about organized religion, but a little bit more extreme. It's a cult. It's what people think. <clears throat> and so... Um, and people misunderstand it, what it is. And so I came and fully prepared to like, you know, run headlong into a, just a, a, a terrible Jim Jones style fucking cult. And I'll never forget it. My, so my brother had this teacher, Bada Haridas, who is uh, a devotee of Krishna. And <clears throat> I went to the temple very early in the morning to meet with my brother and Bada Haridas because they study the Bhagavad Gita every morning and incense is burning and here is a Hare Krishna devotee, and uh, uh, what's a, he's a brahmachari. So, like in Hinduism, there's these different ashrams, and so there's the grihastha ashram and the brahmachari ashram. The brahmachari ashram is the full renunciate. So this is no sex, mm. no hardcore intoxicants, hard in the paint. What hard in the yeah? This is and this is the mona, it's a monastic. It's yeah. it's a monastic life. It's where you're like I'm letting. What go. do they call that when it's Jewish? It's um. Uh, 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 ox, uh, oh, orthodox. Uh, orthodox. orthodox. Yes. That's right. orthodox. Hardcore. Yeah. It's really like I'm letting, I am fully surrendering to this path. And, and that means I'm, I'm going to shave my head. I'm going to wear robes. I'm going to chant 16 rounds of Hare Krishna a, a day. Now a round is 108 repetitions of the mantra. I'm going to worship the deities and I'm going to be fully devoted to this 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 thing, and it's not a one-sided relationship. And I think that's the difficult thing for people who might be hearing this and thinking, "Dude, what the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> the difficult thing about it is, and and the the place where it gets really really interesting hmm. is where it goes from being, "Man, this is a big pile of fucking shit," to being like, "Oh my god, it's real." And that that moment, uh, I think I what is it? Um, Alex Gray calls that a I think a theophany, a, a theistic epiphany, when you come to the realization that there actually is a creative intelligence behind all things in the universe. It's gotta be, dude. Yeah, yeah. It's like when the acid Even actually a, kicks in, you're yes! like, you start doubting it. You're like, I got burned by that hippie, and then you're like, oh, dude, I can't think of a better way to describe it than when the acid kicks in. And suddenly you're like, oh, my God, except you really mean, oh, my God, because it's real. And then you start realizing like, oh, there's an intelligence in the universe that transcends the human body that chooses to express itself in certain ways. And one of those ways is through the symbols that we find in religions. And one of those ways is through the symbol of Krishna and his lover, Radha. Mm-hmm. And... Um, when you start realizing that, oh, this is real, this is some, this is something. Now you, it's kind of like one of the things I, I, I think about sometimes is like if you see Bigfoot, 
you're fucked. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> if you see Bigfoot, you're fucked. Like yeah. you're out in the woods and you see Bigfoot. Because when you, and you know, I don't know, you're just like camping and you look up and there it is. This graceful, beautiful fucking forest monkey. <laughs> tuned into nature and he sees you and looks at you and you see him sentient alive maybe he's got you know wearing flowers or something yeah peaceful creature fully in tune with nature and he looks at you and then he just walks off now for the rest of your life you either have to tell people i saw bigfoot yeah and everyone's like yeah whatever crazy motherfucker the only people who are gonna believe you uh, are probably going to be crazy. <laughs> yep. So you're fucked. You right? know what that's called? Being a conspiracy theorist. That's what that's called. Right. Right. It's well. Yeah. Right. And 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 and, and, and or it's called going off the. You know, there's lots of ways to put it. Going off the map. You know what I mean? Because people like to. They, they like to think that they woke. Yeah. They well. Many people like to think that what they have experienced thus far is all there is, and what they've heard from people that they consider experts must there must be the truth. And they haven't really done any of their own research. They, they, in fact, the world they live. That's lived- such a, an amazing statement. What they've heard from ex- experts, they think is the truth, and they've done none of their own research. Nothing. And that is where we're at in this society. Yeah, we are. You know, the truth of the matter is that we're very trusting people. You know, most of your like um, a hidden camera shows, like you're really just making fun of trustful people. Right. They trust you in this moment. And yeah. They're like, oh, I want to help you. And you just kind of set them up to look stupid. And the reality is they're just trusting people. Yeah. You know, and like when you see these people like in this town who are very much on one side or the other of the uh, political spectrum, you know, when it comes to parties and stuff and how like they're the smartest people, you know, they could write the most amazing script if you ask them to. But when it comes to like actual knowledge when it comes to how the human condition works now, they're completely lost. And uh, because they just they just trust people they think are the experts who might not be being honest with them. And they don't do any research because they're trusting people. Well, they're yeah, they're well, in, they're 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 so sort of like the idea is we gravitate to the material. So our, our minds get attached to matter like we're very in this in this. There's a name for it actually called the Maya Mayavadis. People are very into matter. So, you know, there's people who our minds are naturally drawn to matter, to sparkly things, to beautiful things. Yes. To, that's that's our attention is drawn into these things. Shiny objects. Yeah. And that is a obviously a aspect of the human makeup that could be exploited by nefarious people. Yes, of course. Sure. And and, and you know, that's the the classic like um how do you you know, we've probably talked about this. How do you you know, how do you trap a monkey? I've always thought it must be bullshit, but you dig a hole, put a jewel in the hole that the, the monkey can see. The monkey will reach in and, and clench its fist to grab the jewel and then can't pull his hand out. Yeah, right. And he won't want to let go of the jewel. Now he's stuck. Yeah. Right. So this is a predicament many, many people find themselves in when before they've woken up. Right. They've just clutched a yes. jewel. And the jewel is could be nationalism it could be their career yeah it could be some 
lie they were told that they thought was real, but they devoted so much time to it. And effort, and like they're yeah. just committed. Yeah. And it's almost like they'd rather be right than do right. You yeah. see that a lot. That's it, right. It, that's it, exactly. And so that's a, 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 and that's a, a real predicament. And you can find a lot of compassion for people. And the way you would do that is by finding out where you're doing that. Yes. Look into your own self and see like, where am I holding? Where am I the monkey holding the jewel? Where am I stuck? Now, so interesting. I think the monkey holding the jewel thing is a, a, a one way to talk about, it, but I also think electric fence is a better way to put it. Cause when you grab a fucking electric fence, you can't let go. And so there's a saying where there is attachment, there is suffering. And the best way to understand that saying is to go grab an electric fence <laughs> because you'll find that like, not uh-huh. only, it's not as though you can just let go. Right. The addict can't just let go. Right. When you grab an electric fence, you need somebody to come fucking running or with something to knock you off the fence. Right. Right. This is the sponsor in the 12 step program. Right. Right. Wow. This is the teacher and the guru. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yes. This, this is. Yeah. Yes. And so that's the idea is we, you know, it's like when you're some night where it gets really funny is in this society, some people grabbing that fence, they love it. They're like, yeah, I'm getting fucking electrocuted. Snorting fucking blow deep in it, man. Fucking fucking power. I'm ordering fucking nuclear attacks. I'm sending people. They fucking love it, man. Now that's heavy karma. And it's not your job to knock that person off the fence. Yeah. But some people, they're like. It's not your job to. It's not your job. But the job is when you hear people being like, can someone get me off this fucking fence? Please, please help. And they don't say it like that. They say it in more, much more subtle ways. I'm real tired, man. I'm just a little stressed out. I'm real tired. And you'll hear it. Yeah. Those are the people who, who, who you might be able to like help them ah, let go. Very interesting, dude. That's so interesting. You can't. That's so much. Makes me think that. Bill W. did all that stuff based on all this Holly Krishna and all those stuff like that. Well, without getting too much into it, because so much of it is amenity, because people think that we represent him. But the 12th step, he talked about having had a spiritual experience. He wanted the wording experience because he had done acid five times in his sobriety. Right. But they're like, no, having had a spiritual awakening. And so much as what we're talking about is that awakening. Yes. And I wanted to ask you, since we are talking about gurus and Terrence, I mean, he's notorious for that quote, avoid gurus, mm. follow plants. Yeah. So how do you, it's interesting that you're a dichotomy. You like follow yeah. two schools. Well, yeah, that's right. And, 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 I, and I think that the, when it comes to gurus, you don't worry about that, the guru, because it's not a, it doesn't, if some, there's things you can look out for. Somebody's asking for money. Somebody's got a lot of weird, you, a guru is, it's different than, it's not like he's, McKinnon is saying, avoid being conned, avoid charlatans, avoid being conned. And, um, that just be, be very careful. Well, it's almost stop putting people, human beings who at the most basic level are on the, are on the same level as you on a uh, pedestal, right? Well, Is that what well, you don't, the, 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 here's the best way to put it, man. It's like, think like about the most, the last time or you were in love. Hmm. Think about that. Just how that felt. Just, just bring it to mind. Yeah. Like when you were really in love and your okay. heart's opening up I'm gonna cry. And, and, and here's this beautiful person 
and you and you and you're thinking i would do anything for her Mm -hmm. i will when you're sick i'm going to try to help you feel better when you're feeling good i'm going to try to help you feel great when you need space i'm going to give you space when you want me to hold you i'm going to hold you i'm going to protect you i'm going to do anything i can for you and i'm going to listen to what you say because i love you and i trust you this is a natural thing that happens so when that's happening to think to yourself i'm getting scammed right well maybe you are you know but when it really happens you know it's no this is not a scam this is like physics is happening here so when you meet your guru you know it there's not a like you just it, and, and, and to even think you're gonna get to meet your guru in this incarnation is very similar to thinking you're gonna win the fucking florida lottery it's so you know what i so mean interesting. like it's a it's like if you're lucky enough to meet your guru in the an embodied guru if you're lucky enough to meet like you're i would feel lucky and i really mean this if i got to meet stephen king like that'd be fucking amazing. The Dark Tower. He wrote The Dark Tower. He's written some books that have absolutely changed my life. I'd feel lucky to meet him. Just to meet Stephen King would be incredible. But the idea is where does talent and intelligence stop? Does it stop at Stephen King? Does it stop at Daniel Day Lewis? Does it stop at whoever you think is the greatest representation of artistic expression? Does it stop, stop there? It doesn't stop there. It keeps going. Only those people aren't on camera. Those people are off camera and they're way behind the scenes. And if you get to run into one of them and you're lucky enough that you've been drawn into their presence, then wow, congratulations, because you've done a lot of work and you've got that's just beyond it's winning a trillion lotteries at once. Right. You know, I get that. That being said, you can run into people who are going to try to. You know, fuck you up, and they and they they haven't convinced you they're gurus or yeah. just have bad. They're going to tell you they're God. They're going to tell you they're Jesus. They're going to tell you an alien came and told them some bullshit or this thing or that thing. I mean, it's in the Bible. It's it, in the end times. There are going to be all these false prophets that you can run into, and they're going to trick your ass. And they're going to so interesting. Yeah, yeah. So it's and, but it's just like it's just like any other thing. You're going to run into some some lovers that don't have your best interests at heart. Yes. I'm sure you've dated people. Yes. You're, that happens. It does. So in the same way it happens with gurus, that you're going to run into some people who like, you think, oh, this must be the one. No. When, but when the one happens, you know it. It's not a, it's not a thing. You know. You just, it's, you know it. So it's kind of interesting, all this stuff you're saying, because it brings us to what I kind of, because I was talking to Ryan, you know, and we were talking about trying to get you back on what we could talk about. And I brought up the wild, wild country. And I don't know if you've seen this on Netflix or not. It's about the. Oh, yeah, of the course. Guru and how he his yeah. whole Osho. group just moved to Bhagwan. Oregon. And I think it's such a great microcosm about the human condition about the old versus the new the you know the uh conservative versus the progressive and you know how like everything's about power and controlling power and even if you come in yes. with the the most uh honest of of intentions sometimes over time it just turns into something else it turns into like oh we just want to be here to 
no, we want to run this shit. And that's, and, and, and both sides of this, I felt there was some sort of fault in how they approached it and how they handled it. And, and I like, we've talked before about how many, so many cults are just about like, how do you get laid? How do you, how do you control women? How do you, how do you get yeah. them to do? Yeah. You know, it's like all these un, these, these nerds who never could talk to women. Like yeah. we have like, um, L Ron Hubbard, a classic, like unattractive, but incredibly brilliant guy created yeah. this way of just manipulating people. Yeah. Not only like taking this guy's wife, taking his money, starting this whole thing and yes. again, controlling women. Yeah. And it's like such an interesting thing. Well, what it's almost like, well, it's like, so you sort of look at the, um, uh, the way, uh, what is it? The gorillas, right? They, they like the alpha male takes all these mates and, and the, like the, uh, other gorillas don't get to fuck. Like they have to like, so you see the same thing happening in these patriarchal cults where you have this strong central figure who ends up like taking all the gals and like um, coming up with, I mean, and it's interesting, like if you want to go way back to like an earlier version of Osho, I think you would uh, want to look at the history of the Mormons, right? So, you know, here you, you have like a, you know, a theocracy with, polygamy being like sanctioned by the divine and interestingly the same kind of problems they were at war with their neighbors and stuff too you know so and it all centered around this one dude who had this really weird story about this stuff but he was very charismatic and and man what's really interesting about it is uh, Mormons are really sweet people yep. oh they're the best they're man. the best they're really they're, they're, they're wonderful and you run into them and they're the sweetest people ever. And so I think of this in terms of water filtration systems, which is I am not going to shut down any data stream because there was a, a problem in the power structure that came down the line. Okay. I'm going to try to filter that shit out if I can. I think about it in terms of rusty pipes. If if they're if if I if I have rusty pipes, but the water that's coming out of them is very clean, and the water's being filtered through some system, and I'm thirsty, I, that's I'm still going to drink that water. And I think in the same way, what happens is some transmitters of the truth, they they're like warped a little bit. They're like funhouse mirrors. They're warped a little bit, like the 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 perennial philosophy, as it's called. They're like the the big story, which is of the resurrection and the potential of resurrection and of the transcendent nature of the human soul is coming out of them and it's coming out of them in a charismatic way. But unfortunately it, they're warped a little bit. And so what ends up happening is, is people are drawn to that message. People are drawn to that message because that message is the truth. And, right. the, and, and, but what they have done is they've become a gatekeeper to the divine and instead of being like go through the gate yeah yeah have this connection yourself worship me yeah and yeah that's you see that a lot in social media is a great example that where you really think about all these accounts these people with blue checks by their name and how they just try and keep more and more followers right yeah and and then we you've seen it with friends of mine who've kind of like gone to one side 
gone to the far left or gone to the far right and how it just becomes this weird yeah. echo chamber where they're no longer trying to say truth but they're trying to see what gets them the most likes and retweets yeah. and the most followers so they just keep saying this crazy thing over here well that's called being a hack and <clears throat> you know in comedy that's called being a hack because ideas like if the, when you're doing comedy if you're if you're you know, analyzing the audience and thinking like, I'm going to do jokes that seem to fit in with this particular audience. Then what's going to start coming out of your mouth or, or, or worse, you, you start like trying to analyze what is in right now and make yourself like a thing that's reflecting that right. it's called being a hack. It's mediocre. It's mediocrity. So, and it works temporarily, but you're always going to be like way, way back. Like, cause the crest of the wave, nobody, the crest of the wave isn't usually not on camera. It's usually just bubbling out there in the background. And really, the crest of the wave is the moment right now. And who you are actually is is the crest of the wave. And reflecting that fearlessly into the world is the art. And just stick stick to that. And, and yeah, you're, the thing you're talking about is these poor poor people. They are getting. They're using <clears throat> retweets and likes and faves. It's some kind of metric to determine their success as humans on this planet. And, and, and this is a disastrous mistake. <laughs> this is a disastrous mistake. And, but a forgivable one. Yeah, people do make mistakes, and I think that's really important that we have to remember that, too. Absolutely. Like, I do not want to live in a world where you make a mistake and it stays with you forever. That being said, I saw this video of a crow. You know, they, now crows are super smart. And I saw this video of a crow wiping out and they have a video. Maybe you can find it. I don't know, but it seems like all the other crows are laughing at it, like mocking it, mimicking it. And you're like, this crow was trying to do some fancy fucking thing. It wiped out and the other crows seem to be laughing at it. So what I'm saying is when one of these, one of, when somebody wipes out spectacularly because of hubris, we are allowed to laugh our fucking asses off. But after the laughter is done, to then ostracize anybody, it's uh, yeah, and I don't think that's I don't. No, that's not baby bunny. It's something totally different. You know, yeah, there. You know, we need a forgiveness mechanism in there. And, you know, what do you think of this wild, wild country? What did What did you think of it? I was disappointed in it. Uh, in I, well, first of all, number one, I I thought it was like beautiful in the way it was edited oh i felt so good but i was disappointed because i wanted to hear more of osho's teachings and less from sheila and the focus on sheila over they they focused on sheila more than they focused on osho and i think that that was to me i i I, i'm less interested in the pope and more interested in god right and and so i would have liked the uh, i would like the documentary if i'd and again i it was People loved it. It's beautiful. But I would like a version of that documentary that was scary because it actually was showing the teachings of Osho and showing the stickiness, the honey. What was drawing these people in? Let's hear this. Let's hear the actual. What's... You're right. There wasn't a lot of talk about why is all these people showing <laughs> yeah. up. It was just like we were doing these things and then people just started yeah. showing up. And that's that's the big that's a big jump. You know, Yeah. why the blind spot? Why the blind spot? What are his teachings? Because because then it, she he might not be the the 
spectacular train crash that she is. Like, she's an interesting because you see this little lady, she's talking like this, and then she's on Phil Donahue flipping everybody off. And Putting like, beavers in blenders? What? You know, the thing about the beaver? The beaver to poison the fucking thing because beavers are filthy animals? Dude, if I'm blending, if someone, if like, if you're blending, if we're listening to people who have caught a beaver or killed a beaver and put it in a blender to put it in a salad bar or whatever, I want to know who, what song they were listening to that made them get to that point. Yeah. I'm interested in where was it and how did it get corrupted? What, did Sheila corrupt it? Why did he have all those cars? What was that? What the fuck was he taught? What was his song? I want to hear that song. Well, you know, I mean, that could be applied to what's going on in Hollywood. I'm not would never say that there was a time where Hollywood was pure at all, but it just seems like with this whole me too thing coming out now that there's a, a lot of people at the top have a, very, a a lot of darkness and like, let's apply this to stuff. We've heard about Steve Harvey stuff. We've heard about Ellen DeGeneres, yeah. all these people who are like, don't look me in the eye, all this crazy shit where they just get, and here's this woman who's worth it with this guy who sounds to me like, you know, his teachings were amazing. I mean, I, I'm getting that. He vibe knew right. about the cars, right? Yeah. He knew about the Royals, Rolls Royces. Had to. Yeah. Well, he got in them. It wasn't a mystery. Yeah. And the place was bugged. You know, every square foot of that place was supposedly bugged. You and know? you think he, he, I mean, like, again, it's like this thing we go see in Hollywood where these people who act like they walk on water you know, end up being very human and not only just human, but the exact opposite of what they're portraying. I think what's cool about the documentary is it's a reflection of a universal problem. I couldn't agree more. That's why I loved it. I'm like, this is humanity in, in a microcosm. Yeah. And, and that problem is that we confuse gatekeepers with destinations. And, and, and there's a big business in that. And that's religion. So... What happens is somebody will say to you, I am a priest and I am better. I can te I'll teach you to talk to God. I'm directly connected to God. If you look at certain religious systems, basically men, you generally men, have put themselves in the role of the intermediary between you and the divine. And I know what you're thinking. Well, how could you say that and say you have a guru? Well, isn't that the same thing? No, it's not. It's not the same thing at all. Because the difference is, and this is where the problem lay, lies, sometimes people are gateways. They're not gatekeepers. They're gateways. They're portals. I've heard, I think, oh, God, I think it was Krishnamurti, but I'm not sure which. I know it was, um, oh, God, what's his name? It's so sad. I can't remember it right now. One of the true gurus was described as a corpse the universe spoke through. And sometimes that happens, but more often it doesn't. More often it doesn't. So this is the problem. And like, we've seen it. Well, you see it, you see it sometimes it, it like businesses, you'll get some shitty gatekeeper who's keeping out the good and bringing in the bad making themselves seem like they're the thing. Oh yeah. We've seen this a million times. See in sports all the time. Yeah. Wrong GM, wrong coach, take something beautiful, and it just the wheels fall off. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, and I this is why I think it. I it just all goes back to you, 
It's your personal responsibility to, to you, you are not a victim. No one is a victim. You're not a victim. You any and don't fall prey to that notion that you've you, let yourself live in what you are right now. And if your instincts are telling you something's off, it's off. You know, it's off. And any my teacher, my my guru Neem Kroli Baba, his teaching he di- he died with no bank account. He had a blanket. He had no bank account and a blanket. Man. And and um and it was it's it's really interesting, you know. Like he there was what was it? He died in a hospital, had a blanket. And one of the funny stories about him, I'm just mentioning this in relation to the cars, the Rolls Royces. Right. <clears throat> right before Ramdas met when he was Richard Alpert, right before he met Neem Kroli Baba, he's with um someone who's very interesting that you should check out called um Bhagavan Das. And uh, this person is going to Neem Kroli Baba, his guru, because he's having passport problems. Because in India, you go to your guru for all kinds of shit, not just like spiritual stuff. And Ramdas has this some, some, some kind of really nice car. I don't know what it is, an all uh, SUV or like a, a Range Rover or something that his friend has let him borrow. And he's been going around with this hippie through India. And the hippie's like, I want to go see my guru now. And at this point, Alpert, who's this fucking Harvard apostate, He's been booted out of Harvard with Timothy Leary for LSD. He's a fucking intellectual. He's like a master cello player. He likes fucking, he's a, he's a, a, you know, beautiful, aristocratic, famous gay guy who's in India and he's ready to go to Japan um, because uh, uh, he thinks, finds Hinduism to be a little garish. So he's like annoyed about this situation that his friend wants to go see this guru figure. And he's thinking to himself the whole time about this. He's real hung up on the fucking rain on the Range Rover, man. His mind's hung up on the Range Rover somehow. So he's thinking about the Range Rover. He doesn't want his friend to drive the Range Rover. He wants to be in control of the car. His whole ego has become attached to this. Right, vehicle. right. So he gets to this place where Neem Crowley Baba is and his friend goes running out of the Range Rover, was crying, does what's called, uh, it's called, he just lays, he puts his whole, you lay down in front of him. It's like a magnet, really. Yeah. You, you lay down in front of him, offer them full obeisances. And he's seeing this. And he's embarrassed. He's like, this is, this is embarrassing. This is a little old man in a blanket sitting up here. And this guy's laying in front of him weeping. And so someone comes down, and he's like, you know, Neem Crowley Baba wants to talk to you. And so, now, this is where the story gets really interesting. The night before, Alpert had been uh, taking... A, now, this is, actually, let me, let me start from the very beginning, beginning. Okay. Alpert was in India with some of the best LSD known to man. By Owsley? Yeah. He was in there. He, he came to India with Owsley acid because he wanted to give it to Buddhists and teachers and meditators to understand what the fuck this stuff was. And he'd been giving it to them. And he says they were saying things. Some people were like, it gave me a headache. And some people are like, can I have some more? <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, he, he wasn't really satisfied with what was right. the results he was getting from this amazing experiment slash party yeah. that he was like having right. across India. So he had run into this guy 
uh, at a cafe and this guy had something that he, he was like, this guy's got something. There's something there. And they'd hung out for a while and, and his friends were going to Japan to study Buddhism. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to stay in India and I'm going to go with this guy. And so they, they would just walk or this guy was like, they would just started walking. And the, the guy like told him, take your shoes off. Don't walk with your shoes on. So now they're walking through India barefoot. Oh. Right. And, 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 uh, Alpert would start telling stories as we all do about, you know, we start putting up the tail feathers and he'd be like, Oh, you know, I want to tell you the story about the time me and Tim Leary flew that plane. And Bhagavan Dutta would say, no, he's like, don't, don't live in the past. Don't live yeah. in the past. Let's just be in the moment right now. Let's be in the moment. And then they'd be walking and he'd be like, how long do you think we're going to be doing this? <laughs> and he'd say to him, oh, you know, don't think about the future. Let's just be in the moment together. So this is a psychedelic fucking moment that started yeah. happening for him, which is he's walking around with this guy. He's not sure who the fuck <laughs> this is. Just being in the moment, in the moment, in the moment, in the moment, in the moment. And somewhere in this walk, they get this fucking car from his friend. They go up to see this guy's guru. The night before, he'd been taking a piss under the stars, thinking about how his his mom, who had died, her spleen, something was wrong with her spleen. Oh. So that's the setup. So they're like, this Neem Crowley Baba wants to see you. Neem Crowley Baba wants to see you. So he goes up. This whole time he's been obsessed with this fucking Range Rover. And Neem Crowley Baba looks at him. And the first thing he says to him is, can I have your Range Rover? <laughs> <laughs> and everyone around Neem Crowley Baba starts laughing their asses off. Because they know this guy doesn't give a fuck about that Range Rover. He doesn't drive. He doesn't have cars. He's got a blanket. And he slips away. Like, what was cool about Neem Crowley Baba is, like, you would wake up in the morning and he'd be gone. He would just leave. He's be, you were always trying to find him. So, but what he had done is he tuned into exactly where Alpert was stuck. And he put his, like, just like the way you give him, you massage someone's, like, fuck, yeah, when you're yeah, getting yeah, the yeah, muscle yeah. spasm massage. And so then... Then he like says to him, uh, last night, now this is coming through a translator, last night you were standing under the stars thinking about your mother. And Albert was thinking, all right, I mean, this is a pretty good trick because I haven't told anybody this, but anybody could be sitting under the stars thinking about their mother. And then he says to him, in broken English, she got big in the and tries to pronounce spleen, spleen, spleen. And Alpert, this is when you read it, it's really interesting. Before he was his mind shattered because his, he was trained in Western psychology and the idea that telepathy is possible is like maybe. He'd had some experiences under psychedelics. Maybe. But the, one of the first things he thought, is this some kind of fucking CIA shit? <laughs> I think that daily. <laughs> yeah, well, that was the first, that's your ego. That's the first thing. Is this some kind of CIA? And, and, then, and, then, and then he said it felt like his heart was ripping open and then he just started weeping and then that's when he became well that was when he started to become Ramdas, the teacher and be here now and a great deal of the 60s spirituality movement is completely radiates wow. from that moment including me talking to you right now about it yes and so and i'll stop yapping about it and only because we're talking about gurus. <laughs> I love it. The other funny story is this Ramdas gave him acid, you know. So that was one of the funny stories is Ramdas was like 
at what point he'd, he'd been like, give me the medicine, give me the medicine. <laughs> That's what he called it. So Ramdas gives him this acid and he takes like a, these days, you know, we're taking pussy, like pussy doses of LSD. Mm -hmm. We take 50 mic hits, 100 microgram hits. Yeah, those were 400, right? Yeah, 400 mics. That's mm -hmm. amazing. You know that. I want to try that. Um, Four, 400 micrograms of Owsley LSD. <laughs> and he gives this to this old Indian man yeah. who takes it and then nothing happens. Zero effect. He just, well, you know, he just walks around with the rest of his day. Nothing happens. So, uh, so Albert goes back to the United States. He's telling some of his psycho psych psychiatrist, psychologist friends, I gave him like 400 micrograms of LSD. Nothing happened. They're like, listen, you've been taken in by a Baba. These people know sleight of hand. He didn't take it. Don't you? It's a classic trick. So Ramdas goes back. And I not only have now heard this story from Ramdas, but I've met people who were there when this happened. So Ramdas goes back and Neem Kohli Baba says to him, you gave me something. You gave me something the last time you were here. What was it? What did you give me? And he's like, I, I gave you LSD. And he says, did I eat it? <laughs> <laughs> he said, did I eat it? And he goes, I don't, I don't know. And he's like, give me more. <laughs> so he gives him like a th I think it's a thousand microgram dose, uh, fifteen hundred microgram Jesus. dose. <laughs> and Neem Crowley Baba takes the pills. These are pills, tablets. Picks it up, puts it in his mouth, chews it. <laughs> takes another, puts it in his mouth, chews it. Opens his mouth up. So now we can see his tongue is coated in these tablets. And Alpert Ramdas is thinking, "What the fuck have I done?" <laughs> And then Neem Korli Baba goes under his blanket <laughs> and he starts moaning like, uh, and he's like shaking and moaning and moaning and shaking and moaning. And I've now I've heard from other people who are there. Ron, Albert freaks the fuck out. <laughs> like he's pale. He's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then Neem Korli Baba comes out of the blanket. He's laughing. He's like, ha ha. And then just goes through the, his day like nothing fucking happened. <laughs> and, and, and to close the story, what he said to him is, uh, this will bring you into the presence of Christ. He's like, this medicine will bring you into the presence of Christ. But the problem is you have to leave. You can only stay there for a moment. But I can teach you a way that you don't have to leave. And that is, that's like one of the, you know, that's the, the yes. lineage I'm part of is that yes. is like, these things are great. Psychedelics are amazing. I love them. I'll love them for the rest of my life. But it's an elevator, takes you to a party, doors open, and then you got to go back down. Wow, dude. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting me do that whole story. I appreciate <laughs> no, that. No, that was great, dude. You tell stories like that all the time. Now, our good friend Ryan, he's worked really hard on uh, just episodes, and I feel like did, was there anything that we didn't touch on I that you really wanted question. to ask? Just um, because uh, uh, yes. a friend of ours, Henry Zabrowski, on recently. Yes. That's his face right there. Oh, we, shit. We love him. He loves you. Uh, Where's his face? That's him right there. Right that, there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, you started talking about Shiva or Shiva Lingas. Yes. But you guys never talked. You never got to it. I was wondering real quickly. Uh, Sam, you ever heard of a Shiva Linga? No. Shiva's cock. Yeah, I was just wondering if maybe you could just give Sam a little blast on it. I would love to give Sam a blast <laughs> about that. If I, and, and, but with a, I'm going to do it real quick. I don't understand it. Number one, I'm not mm -hmm. a Shivite. 
so I don't understand how to, but, but the concept of Shiva is it's obliteration. It's one of the descriptions of Shiva is Shiva is the destroyer of elements. Mm-hmm. Ultimate. Obliter- CERN. That's what's going on. CERN, 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 right? Yeah. They have a statue of Shiva outside of it. Oh, oh, Did you that's know? so awesome. Did you I know this? Idea. That's so cool. Of course they do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So Shiva's the destroyer of elements <laughs> and that's so beautiful. Wow. You never knew that? I had no idea. Oh. You, How can amazing. you find a picture of it? The show? Yeah, they actually did it, the, the dance of the Shiva as a promotional video. Oh, Have you seen that? Oh, yeah, I remember that now. Okay. Because now, what they're doing is they're destroying elements in order to... I didn't to, make the connection. Uh, it's a ring of fire. Wow. The idea is that Shiva wow. Linga is also... It, some say they pour milk over it. They and, do. And they pour water. You can look up YouTube videos mm-hmm. of it. They're really intense rituals, and it's really beautiful. And it's like the the... You know, it's like this is the part of the cycle, death, the death part of the cycle. You know, everyone's terrified of it. Everyone wants to avoid it. And I think, and though I do, I think I misunderstand, I, I don't understand Shaivism. I haven't looked into it enough, but I think it's sort of a way of embracing that reality, the, the <coughs> impermanence, and not only embracing it, but like worshiping it as a fundamental, ne- necessary part of the cycle of life. And Shiva, I guess, is the embodiment <coughs> of that. But, um, I don't understand enough about it. I can only say that like sometimes when I'm high, I like to pull up YouTube videos of Shaivite rituals because it's so incredibly intense to watch that. Have you ever heard the ancient aliens uh, idea that the way it's designed, it's designed after like an ancient nuclear uh, reactor. And the reason that it's surrounded in a moat because you also use water to cool down nuclear reactors. And Shiva is an idea of an energy and there's a mountain, it's a sacred mountain in China uh, that you can't even go to. And they, they say that's where Shiva lives, inside the mountain. Wow. And people that go there have gotten radiation sickness. Wow. So we'll leave it there. But I mean. That's great. Wow. <laughs> Fukushima. <laughs> Duncan, do you got any appearances coming up? I know you did a tour a little while ago. Uh, are you doing any of that? No, I don't have any appearances coming up. There's a, a really beautiful thing that I'll announce pretty soon. That I can't talk about right now. That's coming, and um, because of that, I don't. I can't really make any. I can't do any tours right now. So the the like yeah. If you're asking for if there's something I want to plug, it's just go to my podcast duncantrussell.com. How long have you been doing that now? The podcast. Yeah. Oh my god. Seven. Since, Seven at least since 2012, I think. That's amazing, dude. Yeah, I mean, Punch Drunk Sports been going for a while. This one in its car, it's like a year and a month. About it's doing really well. How we long? All- uh, how long have you been going to the Love Serve and Remember retreats? <laughs> because that's something I would love to get Sam on board. I know a friend of ours, Tate, just went this. Yeah, past Tate year. went. I've been going to those for about five or six years. I want to give you an apology, man. This whole time I've been staring at Sam just because he's sitting right across <laughs> from me. I, Hope you don't take any disrespect by by, by that. Like my, I just kept. I I, I just, I've, my mind just kept. I, I forgive me for that, man. Yeah, I just yeah. realized I did that. Sam knows I'm geeking out. This is a big day today. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I, I'm so sorry. Like I, I like the way this thing is set up <laughs> is like this. Yeah, and or this. Uh, it's kind of perfect. We that tried way. to tell him to, to switch it up, but we're very thankful. It's even like this so we're very blessed to even have this room. But I get it. I think, dude, you don't have to apologize. We've. We've had different guests in here who've geeked out. You know, when we do shows with women, they just stare at him and his hair the whole He's time. He's beautiful. So, you know. I know, and glowing, radiant. What the fuck have I been staring at you for, Sam? When I'm we sorry. have this 
beautiful bowl of ice cream over here to gaze upon. I'm uh, happy now. Hey, so what is your DJ name? Because I noticed that you've been doing weird, like, DJ-esque things live on Instagram Well, lately. I am in a noise band. Yeah? What is that? Plug that. Cuck Destroyer. Cuck Destroyer? Is Brendan Walsh in this band? <laughs> This sounds like Pemberton, Trussell, and Walsh. It isn't. Uh, who's in it? Well, it's it's me and my girlfriend and uh, my friend Adam, and uh, yeah. But that's that's you know. Also, I I make uh, I make music with modular synths, and um, I really love doing that. Uh, that so, what, that, that can noise you describe fan. it to us? What Cuck Destroyer is? Because it's a great name. Does it need a descriptor? No, but it is like, is it like uh, keyboard music? Are you playing a cello, maybe sax? Are you DJing? Like, what kind of music is it? Is well, it everything? I, I'll, well, I'll see if I can get permission from them to give you our only track. Okay. And you can put it on this podcast. Oh, I mean, this is going to go out now, but can we put it out? What? I mean, this goes out very quickly. No, I mean, the music is like, well, noise music is fucking weird, right? Yeah. It's like, but I don't think I have like a, maybe I like have a sample on here. I could try to pull it up right now, but. The other thing you're, you're invited to is we're going to be doing a, a live from the belly room, a tinfoil hat comedy night. We're going to put together a panel, probably have Greg Carlwood and higher side chats, Eddie Bravo. When is that? Uh, we're setting it up. We're trying to get it down. Henry Zabrowski. We'd love to have you on the panel sometime. So let us know if it I works. would love to be on the panel. Let me see if I can find a quick, let me just see. I'd love if I... to put you and Rogan on. I think that'd be a good way to get Rogan on the podcast. Now you, you definitely need to get Rogan on the podcast. Yeah, he could walk sure. upstairs for a couple of minutes. He could talk about psychic sets. Bigfoot. Let me <laughs> see if I can find this real quick. See, I can, it's going to be tough to find, but that's fine. Modular synthesizers. They're super fun. Definitely get into that. It's pretty fun to make music. We could either put this because we have a podcast right after that. We could put the next podcast up, and then if you if you can ask your friends and put, it, I'd love to promote your your band. I'm sure that they would be <laughs> completely okay. I would with, like to end the show with your band with it with well, it coming out. Well, we normally close out with some sort of music as Sam's like you know doing the shout outs, but we got Duncan here. Can we chant on out? Oh, I love it. Yeah. Should we ask uh, our favorite <laughs> segment first? All right. Yeah. Yeah. We got to do one that. segment that we got to do that. The, the fans demand and then Aaron, we're Aaron. don't be an idiot hey Aaron well you better be sick dead or mute hey Aaron you done messed up hey Aaron you filthy animal Aaron thoughts I mean there's really no conspiracy here <laughs> just wonderful storytelling by Duncan um, so I can't I have no complaints <laughs> nice nice yeah, this is wonderful well, Thank but you. thank you for coming on. You know, you're one of my favorite people. I don't get to see you enough, but when we see each other, it's all love. And I, I, I love that you're back on the West Coast. And I really love what you've worked on and become. Thank and you. Who, where you are. And it's like Thanks, you're, Sam. you're this guy that I don't think we'll ever have to worry about, you know, things going up and things going down. That what you do now, you could do, I could see you doing next week, a year from now. 20 years from now, a thousand years from now. It's like a beautiful thing that you've created for yourself. And it's, Thank you know, you, man. your own path. And can I just say one quick thing? Yes. For those of you out there who feel called, come home. Come home. I'm waiting for you. Come home, children. Come home. <laughs>